Good morning, friends. It's good to see all of you on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. I say beautiful. I woke up this morning, feel the little little nip in the air. I can see the leaves. They're looking at the ground. They're like, I want to get down there. I want to get down there. Um, I love it. I'm like a reverse Superman. The less sun I get, the more powerful I become. So I, I love it. My name is Brent. If you don't know me, um, I'm one of the pastors here at MRCC, and I've got just a couple of announcements to share with us this morning. Uh, first and foremost, there is a Prime Timers picnic event coming up in October. If you are a Prime Timer, that means, at least from where I'm standing, that you're in the period of your life where you're just enjoying things now. Um, everything that's difficult is gone, and now you're like, this is it, the payoff, it's here. So I envy you. I'm sure that's realistically what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but if you are a Prime Timer, then... Uh, you might want to check that out. I think they were handing out some postcards. There'll be more information coming on that, but that's going to be in October. You're not going to want to miss it. We also have our sort of small groups kicking back off again. I mentioned this last week. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. A lot of our groups are kind of gearing up right now as school's starting. We're getting into September, but uh, our new groups will be starting up on September, the week of September 25th. So depending on the day, it's within that range there. But we have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer if you're interested in getting plugged in and connected in that way. Another great way to do that is if you just want to scan uh, the QR code on the seat back in front of you if you're more cell phone inclined, if you don't know how to write with a pen anymore and just know how to tap, um, then you can do that as well. It's a great way to get plugged in. And then we have our fall ministry kickoff for a lot of our like kids-related ministries happening this week. So Tuesday is a kickoff for MOPS. First service, I kind of whiffed this a little bit. I just said MOPS, and I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of people this week that are like, I'm here for the mopping thing, and they bring their own MOPS. It's like, look, mothers of preschoolers, that's what MOPS stands for. So just to clarify, uh, if you're a mother of a preschooler or if that's sort of a ministry that you have a heart for, uh, MOPS is going to be kicking off this Tuesday. Um, it's going to be uh, awesome. They, we have a great crew that runs that, that facilitates all that stuff. So they'll be kicking off on Tuesday. And then Wednesday is going to be like Culture Youth Ministries, Impact Forge, our children's ministries. They're going to be kicking off on Wednesday. Got a ton of fun stuff planned. Uh, I'm sure they're just going to be swarming the entire campus. Uh, it's That's one of the things I've missed the most this summer is just like, like on Wednesdays, it just feels so lonely and empty here. So we're going to change that this week. It's going to be awesome. So that's going to be happening Tuesday for Mops and Wednesday for Youth and Kids. And we have Pastor Allison bringing the word this morning. So would you open your Bibles? Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I am Pastor Allison, a kids pastor down the hall usually, so you don't see me down here as often. Uh, but I've also had the joy of uh, being a part of leading our staff while Pastor Greg's been away. And so just so you know, he is coming back. <sighs> no? <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, it's been actually a joy. It's been a great summer. We've had a really great summer this year and uh, camps and all the things. I just can't believe that it's already fall. And the truth is Brent might be excited for the fall, but I am still in my summer gear, and I'm going to hold on to that as long as I can. So all of you summer sunshine lovers, join with me. Keep the flip-flops going a little longer. <laughs> uh, I will be a little bit chilly. Actually, I would say fall would be my favorite time of year because I do like the crisp air. I just require sunshine, and Washington's definitely not the state for sunshine totally in the fall. So those, those fall days are some of my favorites. When you do see the crispy leaves, just no rain. If we could go with no rain, I'd be happy. So uh, I know I've lived here my whole life. Uh, I was born in the kind of Puyallup-Tacoma area, 
So I know what it's like here in the wintertime, and I still live here, you guys. I am not sure 100% why, but um, although I feel like God's called me to ministry, and this is where he's placed me, so uh, let's just go, right? <laughs> I am excited, though. I love leading our kids. I love uh, being on our staff. I love our staff. We have an amazing staff. So uh, while we do anticipate Pastor Greg's return, um, you know, this staff has been pretty amazing, yeah? Don't you think? I mean, come on. We've had an amazing staff. This summer has been great. <laughs> uh, but we have been, if you were here last week with me, uh, I am just doing a two weeks uh, through the through books of First and Second Timothy. We're looking at those. So um, specifically, if you know, the books of First and Second Timothy, Timothy were specifically written to Timothy by Paul as he was ministering in Ephesus to the church there. There was some false doctrine, some misunderstanding in God's word. And uh, so Paul was really encouraging Timothy how to preach and how to teach the church specifically uh, during times that were hard. So would you agree that it's no different now? Yeah? Okay, carry on. Uh, the main verse that we were looking at the last couple of weeks, um, first of all, 1 Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. So last week, if you're here, uh, we did talk a lot about what it really means to watch, uh, especially your doctrine, like knowing God's word, checking everything with God's word, every part of your life. Um, in everything. What does God's word have to say about it? And then, of course, your life also. The verse says, watch your life and your doctrine. So how is your life a representation of Jesus? So what I did was I made a little a little sign. A couple people asked me after services last week, um, you know, because I kind of warned. I said, you know, the internet's not always the best place to find your source of truth. Um, but we do use it to even research God's word. And so some people said, well, what are some of those reliable sources? So I made a little slide for you. Feel free to take a picture or um, just know there are some good sources out there. But even then, everything you even read from a more reliable source, I would still say, go back to God's word with it. Um, there's even this other one, the Open Bible um, app has a great topical search. But I would say that even there, it's one verse. There's a whole context to learn. So go back to God's word. Read what the context is in that verse. Because uh, we don't want to take one verse at a time. We want to take one verse in the context of God's scripture and his whole word and what it says it says to our life. So, um, And then uh, the other thing we learned about last week, it just kind of floored me a little bit. If you think about the, the uh, Thessalonians were commended for checking everything that Paul said according to God's word. Paul, the one who wrote a good chunk of our New Testament, and they were checking his words if it lined up with God's word. So how much more is it important for us to check absolutely everything according to his word? Consider God is our creator, right? He knows you better than anybody else. Uh, his love for you is greater than anyone. Your greatest identity is really found in him. Um, you are what? A child of the most high God. So... With that, when you're unsure about anything, consider what his word has to say about it. Come to his word for your, for your source of truth. You know, there's even a verse in the Bible that talks about this man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, help me in my unbelief. It's okay to pray that too. That in moments where you feel unsure and uncertain, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Right? Okay. So one of our key verses also this, these two weeks is 1 Timothy 6.11. Where it says, you, man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And we're going to talk a little bit more about if, uh, in that vein the same way. But 
one of the things we talked about even last week was how hard it is to flee from, right? It's hard to flee from jealousy, evil, negativity, whatever sin, lies, deceit, fighting, quarreling, those things. It's hard to flee from those things. And we talked about is it's better though if you shift your focus. Don't focus so much on trying to flee from those things. Shift your focus toward pursuing. When that verse says pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. What I can tell you, if we pursue those things like an athlete might pursue a gold medal, uh, what I can guarantee is that it will be, uh, those things we struggle with will lose traction in our lives, right? Amen? The more our focus is on who God wants to design and grow in us, the less traction those things we struggle with will have uh, because they, they won't consume our minds anymore, right? You know how much your mind can be consumed with with a lot of things. So um, if we combine this week with last, last week we really talked about how we live for Jesus, watching our life and doctrine closely, and now today we're considering even more how we follow the mission of the gospel. How do we point people to Jesus without pushing them away from Jesus? That's what we're gonna be focusing on today. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 6 specifically says, God works in different ways, with, oh, I'm sorry, my brain was going sideways. I'm gonna read it one more time because I was about to tell you my side of it and uh, that wouldn't be God's word. So let's go backwards. Okay, First Corinthians 12, 6. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us, okay? That's what I was gonna say is that God is working in different ways. He's, at, he's working on different things. He's working at different paces. He's working in different situations in every single one of us. And we don't know everybody's story. God does, Right? So consider that. We don't always know what other people are going through and the hard thing they might be suffering with or how God might wanna use you to be an encouragement in their life. Because truly, I can't expect everyone to respond to the gospel in the same way that I have. I have to trust that the Lord is working in different ways with all people in thousands and thousands of different situations. But what I can be sure of, if you look at this verse, it is the same God that is at work in all of us. His love for you will never change. His desire for you to know him will never change. He, he remains the same. God is constant. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. Our God is never ending. He's never changing. And for that, I am so thankful because that is what I have my hope in. The same God working in every situation, in every life, in every situation, in every circumstance. It is the same God. And I can be sure of this as well. The mission of the gospel remains the same. The mission of the gospel that we would go into all the world and share the gospel. Right? So that means your mission field is here. Where you are. Your workplace, your church, your sport field. Wherever you are, your mission place is there because the gospel of the mission of the gospel remains the same. We have missionaries all over the world and we're so thankful for missionaries all over the world. You're a missionary too. Timothy was a missionary in Ephesus. Paul took missionary journeys. We are all missionaries where we are, where we're called to be a missionary right here. So as we consider that and think that through, we're gonna dig into 2 Timothy 2 is gonna be our focus today. So if you wanna flip there or watch the screen, we'll have some verses up there for you. But verse one in chapter two of Second Timothy says this. You then, my son, now remember this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, but this includes you, daughters, children, everybody. Uh, we are, 
say you then, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What I would say to that is let the message of God's grace give you strength and passion as you share the gospel message with others. Look at verse two. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So that teaches me we need to train up other people to share the gospel. But understand something. Look where it says, we'll also be qualified. Do you know where you're qualified? It's God. It's not saying that we have to qualify people. It just says that we need to train people. We need to witness to people and entrust those people for God to qualify them. So we're training up people, trusting God to do his work to share the gospel through more people along the way. Amen? Okay, verse three, it says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ, like a good soldier. I've never actually been a soldier. I'm sure Pastor Greg would have a great analogy for this one. You're just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to work with me on this one. I, I can only imagine. I've seen Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan. I've seen that movie, okay? <laughs> so that's about all I got to go on. Uh, but what it is telling me is that join with me in suffering like a good soldier. And I think about a soldier. We're going into battle with our mind, in our difficulties, in our struggles, in our challenges, in the world around us, we're going into battle knowing those difficulties and challenges. Think about our world right now as full of opinion. Our world is full of pressures that are far from God's truth, amen? This truth, it just is. That's why we're going into battle. Sharing the gospel right now, uh, well, I, I imagine it's been hard forever, but I feel like sharing the gospel is hard. And, and that's, we weren't promised that it would be easy. It says, join with me in suffering. And I think about it this way. Well, Jesus suffered, didn't he? He suffered rejection. He suffered ridicule. He suffered physical pain, mental pain, hatred all around. And he suffered those things all for the truth. His disciples did too. Don't forget that. They suffered that too because they know how the story will end. They know who will win the battle. Amen? We know who wins the battle. Our God, our Father wins the battle. Oh gosh, even some of those songs we were singing. I love how worship often just joins right in with the message because God knows what he's doing. Uh, and we don't necessarily always know when we pick the things, but uh, God's good and he knows. But even some of those songs we were singing, I was like, man, it's truth. We're singing worship songs to God that talk about even how he suffered for us. And we have him to look to because we know that he wins the battle. Someday that day will come and we will see it with him. Okay, look at verse four. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So Jesus is your commanding officer. Civilian affairs would refer to our worldviews, cultural views, opinions, stereotypes, really anything that the world says <clears throat> that does not honor God or line up with what his word teaches, right? <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> This is a call for us not to allow those cultural pressures or worldviews or popular opinions to divert us from the message of God's word, from his gospel, which is why, again, we go back to the importance of checking everything we hear with what God's word says. Amen. Checking everything. If we go on to the next verse, <clears throat> verse five, similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. <clears throat> if you wanna be a good athlete, think about that for a minute. It says in this verse, anyone who competes as an athlete 
competes according to the rules, as a good athlete, you can't say, I don't like that rule, I'm not gonna follow it, right? Think about that, what would happen? You get booted from the game, right? You can't play football and decide which rules you wanna follow. You can't decide you're gonna run to the other end zone and score a touchdown that way, right? You can't, I don't know, I, I'm sure, again, I'm, I'm the worst person to give an athletic <clears throat> uh, illustration. However, I will say, I do know you'll get kicked out of the game if you don't follow the rules. And similarly, we have a responsibility to follow God's word. We can't pick and choose what we wanna follow and what we don't. We can't choose what we wanna believe and what we don't from God's word. We believe that the whole Bible is written without error. We say it's the inerrant word of God, our creator God who does not sin, who is all powerful, all knowing, all present. Our God, he is beyond capable of biblical inerrancy. That means that he is more than capable to direct those who he gave the words to to write scripture accurately. He does not sin, he does not make mistakes, his word does not contain any mistakes. It is fully trustworthy. In comparison, do you trust someone who's lied to you? Think about someone, I know everybody in this room has dealt with somebody who you felt like has been deceitful or, or told a lie. How is your relationship with them? It's not as good, is it? It takes time to rebuild trust, doesn't it? You, you question almost everything they say. So I'm not gonna question a word of what God says because his word is truth, it is accurate. He is more capable than anybody else in the world to, to make sure that our Bible is accurate and trustworthy. Okay, let me ask you this. How about uh, the newspaper, you trust it? Internet, trust it? Social media, trust it? Definitely not. Ah, your own mind, do you trust it? And the reason I say that is you already know the deception that your mind is capable of, even if you don't act on it. You know how deceiving that your mind, your own mind can be. So that's my question for you today. Where do you place your trust? In the places that are capable of error or in God's word? We know this from 2 Timothy Chapter three, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God breathed. That means he shared, he, he gave the words of scripture written by, like I said, this whole, this whole book is written by Paul to Timothy, but breathed from God. All scripture, God gave the words to those who wrote it. All scripture, God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm gonna trust Jesus above all else. In everything, I'm gonna come back to his word and say, what does God's word have to say about this? Okay, well, just a really quick recap, right? We just talked about because of God's grace, we're strengthened and compelled to share God, the gospel with others, right? Second, we have a responsibility to train others in sharing the gospel. Third, uh, we need to be careful not to allow the pressures in our culture and our world to divert us or distort the truth, checking God's word in everything. And fourth, we actually need to know God's word in order to follow it, amen?
Okay, but here's where I think we get into trouble when it comes to sharing the gospel with others. There are three big things that I think we get into trouble with. First, we can create a weight of expectation on others in how we think they should receive the gospel. And to be honest, on our timeline, not God's, right? That can get us into trouble. Second, we can begin to operate on assumption. How you think others should respond to the gospel is an assumption. That might not be God's path yet. That might not not be God's timeline yet. Okay, and third, we begin to set kind of, others might begin to sense a weight of judgment over them if they're making choices that don't line up with God's word. Or maybe they just haven't learned the truth of the gospel yet. And if we put any of that on the people around us, expectation, assessment, uh, (laughs) assumption, or judgment, those three big things, what we're doing is we're closing the door of opportunity to witness and share the gospel with those around us. Let's read what Timothy actually says. He gives direction uh, a little bit later in chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Can I just say, I think it's so great that God uses the word stupid. Okay, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Sometimes I just think we have to say it like it is. That's all, that's the only reason I say that. Okay, Uh, carry on. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Amen. So part of our witness, a big part of our witness is choosing to step back from stupid and foolish arguments. Amen. And lean into kindness. I told first service, I said, circle those words, kindness. If you highlight in your Bible, it's saying step back from those foolish arguments, lean into kindness. Because in that, what I'm doing is I'm earning a trusted relationship with people before I'm ever even close to sharing the gospel. And then circle that word gently. Because the truth is there will come a time that we share the gospel, but be careful. I think our key word here is gently, because in all those things, if we add into any of it, expectation, assumption, judgment, what we're doing is we're closing the door of opportunity. So be gentle. Now there is time to be bold. Jesus was bold in his word. There are times, but boy, that's why I say it's so important that we seek Jesus because he'll guide you. He'll help you see the opportunities that are before you. Here's what I know for sure. I have never led someone to Jesus with a harsh word. I've never argued someone into a relationship with Jesus. I have never heard someone respond to Jesus over a social media post that fights about some hot cultural topic. I've never heard someone respond to Jesus through an email that was angry in tone. Do you get what I'm saying? All of these things are just pushing people away and taking away opportunity to share the truth of God with them. That's why I keep saying, friends, sharing the gospel is hard. If you remember, a little over a month ago, my husband was here and he shared a message with us and one of the things he shared was to be a searchlight Christian. If you remember, he was here, he brought a flashlight, a big flashlight, because the idea is that you can take your light and go shine into the world, like take it with you, go places and share the message of the gospel with others. So as a searchlight Christian, you really are searching for people who don't know Jesus. The hard part comes though, when you find them. 
determining how to show them the truth with love and grace and mercy that Jesus offers, especially, especially when you know that they're choosing to live a life that is outside of God's best for them. So here we go. If we look at the life of Jesus, right? Best example ever. Go to his life. Thousands and thousands, if not millions of people would surround him, wanting to hear from him. Friends, millions of people in the crowd, prostitutes, thieves, liars, unfaithful, ungrateful, unrighteous, you name it. The Bible says he ate with sinners and tax collectors, yes? These people were coming to him. They wanted to hear from him because they didn't feel rejected by him. They didn't feel condemned by him because he spoke the truth in love gently. Look, I could read for you in John 1.14. When it says the word became flesh, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, came from, came from the word of God, became flesh. Jesus came. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. What does it say? Full of grace and truth. I love the word full. Not the glass is half empty. The glass is half full. None of that. We don't have to decide. It is Full. That means 100%. It's not part true, part grace. It's not more truth, less grace. It's not it's, it's 100% truth, 100% grace. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And we need to be careful that we aren't fighting so hard for truth that we sacrifice grace. Or that we're not fighting so hard for grace that we sacrifice truth. So how, how do we do that? If we look at the life of Jesus, what I would suggest is that he invites people into a relationship. He invites people into a relationship that builds trust, that is still grounded on the truth. Jesus' invitation creates a space where people feel like they can belong. They feel loved and cared for, welcomed, not rejected. But Jesus is able to do that without sacrificing the truth. So I want to parallel this with children because every one of us in this room at some point or another, whether we're a parent or not, has been a part of the lives of children. You could be a coach. You could be a teacher. You could just be here in the building. You see children running all the time. So just check it out, okay? You'll, you'll see it, I promise, 100%. Everybody will be with me on this one. As a parent or a coach or whatever, uh, you know the best way to help your kids learn, right? You've seen them fail? Come on, you've seen them fail? Yeah, nod your head and smile. It's fine. Okay, carry on. It's true, though. We know our kids, especially as a parent, we do know our kids best. Uh, as a kid's pastor, man, I start to get to know those kids, and I see little things about them. And, and there's so many times where I see them nitpick at each other or get honorary with each other or want to wrestle with each other in a way that doesn't seem very nice. Um, and, and I know a better path for them, Right? With our kids at home, we know a better path for them. Uh, sometimes I'll just, you know, a, a really simple example. My kitchen, I can, I can cook a meal and not make a mess. My children, on the other hand, cannot make a meal without making a really big, enormous mess. And every dish has to be washed. It's a nightmare. Okay, but I let them do it. I hope that they learn from their experience because I'm going to make them clean the entire kitchen the whole thing. 
Anyway, the whole point is there. You know as a parent or as a coach or someone in the life of children or even other people in your lives, you know often you can see an easier path that they could take, but you let them take the harder road and hope that they'll learn from their experience. God does that with us sometimes. He's our loving father. He does know the best path for us. He's given it to us right here in his word. But sometimes, especially when we're insistent on our own way, he patiently waits for us to find that better path that is available to all of us. He says, I say that to my kids. I can't tell you. Okay, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to the water, but... You can't make a drink. See, I knew you guys would go. Okay, I have a few of my own. You can show the kids the dishwasher. <laughs> um, you can ask them a million times to turn off the lights when they leave a room. They're going to have to pay their own electric bill someday. I see this. I see it. Okay. <laughs> you could tell them to shut the door, flush the toilet, not wear muddy shoes in the carpet. I mean, I don't know, you, you, the list goes on. I'm sure you could come up with a few of your own, but the idea is there. You can, you can do this a million, a million, a million, a million, a million times. Somewhere along the way, they'll figure it out, right? Okay, some of those things. The truth is, God knows. God knows what leads to the greatest blessing for you. And he's given you an invitation, but he's also waiting patiently for you to choose. Every one of us. I wonder how often God looks at me and whispers, you know, you'd find so much greater blessing if, you could probably fill in the blank, or you'd find so much greater joy if you would just trust me. Whatever it is, you can fill in the blanks, maybe putting other people down or, or those media wormholes we can get ourselves lost in, or even if it's just, it seems as simple as disrespect, lying, cussing, those are things that we feel like, oh, it's not really a big deal. But God says, oh, I know a better path for you. I'm waiting. I've given you an invitation, but I want you to choose it. God says that to our culture, too. We have an emotionally driven culture that's confused right now. God's given them the same invitation to greater peace, to greater rest, to greater joy, to greater love, goodness, blessing. If we would just choose him, if we would just trust in him. You guys know the verse. If you have been raised, if you were raised in the church as a child, then you, you, everybody memorized what? John 3, 16, right? And if you are newer to the faith, don't worry, I'll give you a chance to memorize it right now because it's right here. Everyone at some point in their walk with Jesus memorizes this verse because this is like foundation 101, okay? Uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the, the world that he gave his one and only. Yeah, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, eternal life. This is like a foundational verse, right? This is the message. This is the gospel message that God, his love was so great that he sent Jesus the invitation for all who believe in him would not perish but have an eternal life. It's an invitation to a relationship. Look at the next verse though. It goes on. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't condemn the world. Why? Sin's already done that. Sin's already had its way with that. Condemnation comes through sin. Jesus came to save the world through relationship, through love, grace, mercy, and truth. 
I just don't believe that people need more condemnation. They need a path of restoration and recovery, a path that extends grace and mercy as they learn the truth, as they receive that invitation. Man, saving people though without condemnation, it requires a loving, loving relationship. Remembering the journey that you've been on and the journey that God's on with them are different. The journey for them is gonna look different than the journey he's been on with you. And when I see someone who's struggling with sin, I need to have compassion, understanding that God is working, that God is working on his timeline, that God is working on their path, and maybe, 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 somewhere along the way, he wants to use my relationship with them to help them see a better path, to help them see the truth of the gospel. But how will I be able to do that if my words are condemning? How will I be able to help someone else understand the grace of Jesus if I use harsh judgment. Titus 3, 4 and 5 says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Can I define mercy for you? You look up mercy in any dictionary. Mercy is compassion and forgiveness given when punishment is deserved. Ah, So it's the kindness of God because of his mercy, his compassion and forgiveness when punishment is deserved. So we we use this phrase at my house all the time. It kind of has become a joke a little bit, but it's really truth. And I I hope it's just really bringing the truth home for my kids. When they get into tips or into trouble or whatever, I'll say, well, you know, because of course, most of the time they're fighting over, I mean, they're just being selfish. Let's be honest, right? They're fighting over something really silly and to be honest, stupid. That's why I'm glad the word stupid's in the Bible. Um, but the truth is they're fighting, and I will just like stop the argument with, well, what do you deserve? And of course, my kids, they roll their eyes and are like, death. We've trained them. We've trained them really well because the Bible says, <laughs> the gift, it says, the wages of sin is, so what do you deserve? So you can roll your eyes the next time and be like, oh. You're right, mom, I deserve death. But the gift of God, and we always finish it with this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we're always, I mean, it's pretty constant that we're reminding our kids what they deserve, but also what they've earned, mercy, where punishment was deserved. And that's what we need to give to others, the kindness and love of God, so that they can experience his mercy too. I trust that God in this moment, I pray anyway, that he's putting someone in your heart who might be suffering that's on a path that maybe is not honoring to God. And I believe that possibly you've been struggling to decide how to respond to them, to be a voice of encouragement to them. And all I can say truly is ask Jesus to be your voice in their life. Ask him to give you the words that will help you maintain a trusted relationship with them. They will be ready to hear God's word in God's time. The truth is, sometimes people have to fail before they want to hear the truth. 
And that's a hard truth for us. Sometimes we have to let people fail, just like we have to let our kids fail and, and hope that they start to learn from those experiences because they, they may not listen. You know this about your kids. They're not gonna listen until they're soft, their heart is soft enough to actually hear. So we wait patiently. We give an invitation like Jesus does and we wait patiently and we keep that trusted relationship open to them. I know maybe one small strategy that I've had in those relationships is that I just share how God has taught me, how God has been encouraging me, how God has been blessing me in my life. And I just hope that by sharing God's word, how God is working in me, that those experiences can be a voice in their life without forcing anything specific on them. You know, more than likely, if you are praying for this person and if you are keeping a trusted relationship open to them, when they are really seeking truth, they will come to you. I tell my kids this all the time. I, I tell them one of the best ways you can do is if somebody opposes the truth to just say, I believe in God. And I don't think he's made a mistake. But I still want to be your friend. And by stating the truth, but leaving the invitation open. We have a trusted relationship. You know, in our, in our world, I think it's wonderful right now. Um, you don't necessarily, people don't necessarily feel like you have to agree on everything in order to maintain a friendship. So we can do that by stating the truth. Understand, people in our world right now who are struggling with loneliness, with depression, with anxiety, with social pressure, awkwardness, whatever it is, are looking for a place of validation, something to deliver their sadness. And our culture is already pushing them away from Jesus and pointing them in a different direction to some degree. We need to be careful that our judgment doesn't push people away from Jesus too. Amen? When I tell my kids to state the truth, God didn't make a mistake with you and leave an invitation open for the gospel. I wanna be your friend. What my kids are doing is they're creating a space for Jesus to work and show them Jesus in their life. That they know that, they know what my kids believe because they stated truth. But now they can stay in a relationship without judgment or condemnation for a time. The truth is, I also want to speak to you if, if you're a person that struggles with whatever. I mean, we all struggle with things. Have you ever felt insecure, unloved, rejected, dismissed, unwanted? Have you ever felt those emotions? Because I'll tell you what, those emotions are real. Absolutely. I don't want to diminish that for even a second. But I also believe that those emotions create a lot of confusion. Because often when you feel these emotions, you think that there's something wrong with you. That's why I say Jesus did not make a mistake with you. We're going to seek reasons in our world for why we feel the way we feel. In our world, there are a lot of ways to seek for joy and happiness and acceptance. We don't want to shut the door on Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you feel any sort of struggle with anything, I want to encourage you not to let the world define you. God is the only one who created you. He created you with purpose. He created you on purpose. 
and he's given you a greater identity than anything the world can give you. You're a child of God. You're a child of the king. And your creator, God, did not make a mistake when he made you. There are so many cultural norms in our world. And I'll tell you something, they're really just stereotypes created by our culture, not by God. And those cultural norms, they are constantly changing, constantly shifting, constantly moving. They don't remain the same. But what remains the same? God. I have to ask, is it possible that we have actually created confusion in our world by our stereotypical norms? Really think that through. And I pray that someday the lifestyle of our culture just won't measure up. And I have to say, here in the body of Christ, you will find rest. Amen? Let me read what God's word says about you. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. We're talking Genesis beginning. Genesis chapter one beginning. In the very beginning, it says that you were created, mankind in, does anybody know this one, in his? Yes, many of you know this. The Bible says, it says it right there. Genesis 1:27. so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis 1:27. You, men, women, it says, all created you in the image of God. That means you were made in the representation of God. Male and female representing every single one of us in the image of God as a representation of God. And the very next verse, right after that, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. All right, there you go. Make more. I don't know. <laughs> The Bible says, fill the earth. That's who you are. You were created in the image of God, and he wants us to fill the earth. Your identity is in Christ, in his image. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to walk too far away from that, because I'll tell you something, and the hardest thing for me in the world is not long ago, I had this conversation with someone that just said to me, I just don't feel like I fit in my own skin. Who told you that is what I wanted to say. I didn't. I didn't actually say that. I just, I thought in my heart and compassion said, what encouraged this person to think that cultural pressure could push them to feel like they weren't comfortable in their own skin that God gave them? That's why I say, who are we going to allow to write the guidelines on what defines us and our identity. Are we gonna allow an ever-changing culture filled with confusing stereotypes or, or God? Are we gonna allow the things in our world that are capable of error or God? Don't let the world define you. I pray that you're encouraged by God to embrace who you are in Christ. Precious, created for greater things, child of God, created with purpose, on purpose. I cannot say it enough. A child of the king, your God, did not make a mistake when he created you. Amen. We're gonna finish up today. And let me encourage you as you witness, as you are a representation of Jesus, that you would do a few things. That you would remain steady. That's what we learned. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Should be right up here behind me. That you would live with integrity by pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. 
that you would love well because of his mercy. That you would speak truth with grace. And can I say this? Gently, gently. That you would earn trust by being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that you would leave the door open for Jesus to work through you, not condemning, but saving. Friends, our job, our job is to seek after God, to study his word. His, his word is the ultimate source of reliable truth. Check everything, everything in your life with the word of God. Watching your life and doctrine closely, pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And when we do these things, even our own struggles will lose traction in our lives, yes? And then our mission is to share the gospel in how we live and love others because your creator God who knows you best knows the best path to freedom. Freedom from pain and hurt, freedom from addiction, shame, guilt, regret. And he shows us in his word our greatest source of identity in him. If you live this out, the Holy Spirit will soften the hearts of others around you as you continue pointing people to Jesus. Yeah? Will you stand with me and we'll pray together. Jesus, I am so thankful for every person that is here in this room, on online, uh, those who might hear the word. Lord, I just pray that you would be working in our hearts. God, you would be teaching us that it would be you working all things out for your glory, for your good. And that God, when we struggle, we would remember just to come back to your word. God, that, that we would be willing to pray, Lord, help me in my unbelief. That we would be willing to come to you, God, with everything and ask for your help and seek your guidance. Lord, that we would trust you because you know best. And that, God, we would be people who are seeking after you with everything, seeking after you far greater than an athlete would search for a gold medal, God, because what you have is far greater. I pray a blessing over our week as we go from here. God, I pray that you'd be working in our hearts as we seek after those who might not know you. God, that we would be able to be a source of encouragement for them. That, Lord, you would use us to shine your light and bring others to the saving grace of our Savior. Amen? Amen. Hey, guys, have a great week. Enjoy Labor Day. Sleep in tomorrow. Have an extra cup of coffee. We'll see you next week.